If you were turning your Bibles to Joshua, the ninth chapter, Joshua chapter nine, it was a 1924 World Series. The New York Giants were against the Washington Senators. It was a very close series. It was three games to three. Finally came to the seventh and deciding game. All through the game, it stayed close. It was two to two going into the ninth inning. The visiting team came up, three up and three down. And it came to the bottom of the ninth, the World Series. If they could get a run home, they could win it. Player came up, first two guys that came up to the plate, they all struck out, but then came this player named Goslin. He came to the plate. First ball over was a strike. Second ball over was another strike. Third ball over was a ball. Next ball was also a ball. It was two and two. Everyone was waiting for the, for the pitch. On the fifth pitch, the bottom of the ninth, Goslin stepped into it and hit the ball, and it went way up in the air. It went way long, and everyone thought it was a home run. As the ball came down, it hit six inches below the top of the wall. And it bounced inside the outfield. Goslin was rounding the bases. He was running hard. He came into third with an easy triple. But the third base coach decided to wave him on and to try a play at the plate to win the game. He's running on home. The ball comes to the plate, came to the second baseman. The base, second baseman threw the ball right to the catcher. The catcher got it, but it looked like the runner made it a split second in before the tag. Dust was all over. The home team was waiting for the, for the call to be made. It was a delayed call. The umpire waited a little while, waited for all the dust to clear. And then he said, Out. Managers came out. People were upset. Came over and talked to the umpire. The umpire went off and had a conference with the other three umpires to decide what happened. When he got done, he came back out and he said, the runner is out because he didn't tag first base. There are a lot of times that we look at the end result of things in our lives and we don't realize that the problem we have at the home plate, started way back at first base. We make these decisions, we make, make these directions in our lives to follow the Holy Spirit. Sometimes we only see what happens at the end, and all of our focus is on the end. What did I do at the end? I know I beat the tag. I know I got to the, to the plate. But we forget sometimes what happened before. We've been talking the last couple of weeks about distractions. I put some things in your outline for you just to remind you from two weeks ago. Because the enemy's tactics are generally always the same most of the time because they work. If they work, there's no real reason to change anything. They're there. So we gave you some distractions. If you can recognize a distraction from the enemy, you can avoid taking them. If you can just recognize it. And since his tactics are usually always the same... It's really not hard to recognize. We spent some time two weeks ago 
we looked at these and gave you some examples of each. I'm just going to give you the the uh, summary of each one. First off, one of the things that the devil will do to distract you is to lead you into something you are not prepared for. God always prepares you for what he is leading you into. He never surprises you. He never gives you something that you have not been prepared for. Moses was prepared to lead. Joshua was prepared to lead. Daniel was prepared to interpret dreams and visions and to lead in the government. We spent a number of weeks just looking at uh, Joseph and all the preparations that were involved with him to get him ready for what he was, he was coming. Paul, how much preparation? Peter, how much preparation? The disciples, how much preparation was there? No one had a ministry sprung on them They all were prepared. But one of the things that the enemy tries to do is to suddenly lead you into an area of ministry that you have not been prepared for and it will cause you problems. You will be distracted from what God wants you to do. That was the first one. second one, he'll lead you into something you will need to put the word aside for. It is amazing how many Christians will put the word of God aside to do something that God called them to do. Well, I, I know the word says this, but I really feel like God is leading me to do this. But the word says this. Yes, but I really feel like God is leading me to do this. God will not call you to something you have to put the word aside for. That was the second one. Here's the third one. To live, to, he will not lead you to a place that, or the, the enemy will lead you to a place that promotes what you see over what you believe. What you see over what you believe in his word. We spent some time on that. You can pretty, pretty much see what that one is. You believe what the word of God says one thing, but then all of a sudden you're seeing something else. Don't buy into that. Or a place where the wrong things are amply supplied. How many times have you gone in to do something that the word of God or that uh, God has called you to do and the supply just didn't seem to be there? He used the example of Abraham. He went down to the place that God called him to and found out there was a famine. So he went on to Egypt. Well, God didn't tell him to go to Egypt. He told him to go to the land. If God leads you into a place, just because you don't see the provision doesn't mean it's not going to be provided for you. Listen to God. Here's the last one we gave you. A place of fear, unrest, and uncertainty. God will not lead you into those places. When God leads you into those places... You will not have the fear, unrest, and uncertainty. Even if you are on the battlefield, it is better to be on the battlefield with bullets flying and in the place that God called you than to be out of the will of God where no bullets are. Follow the will of God. Stay in that place. So here's Joshua chapter 9. We're going to look at some folks who made a decision. Decision all of us are well aware of. I'm sure everyone's aware of this chapter, but we're going to look at it from this point, this standpoint of decisions. And it came to pass when all the kings who were on the side of the Jordan in the hills and in the lowland and in all the coasts of the great sea toward Lebanon, the Hittite, the Amorite, the Canaanite, the Perizzite, the Hivite, Jebusite, heard about it, that they gathered together to fight with Joshua and Israel with one accord. But when the inhabitants of Gibeon heard what Joshua had done to Jericho and Ai, they worked craftily and went and pretended to be ambassadors and they took old sacks of their donkeys, old wineskins torn and mended, old and patched sandals on their feet and old garments on themselves and all the bread of their provisions was dry and moldy. And they went to Joshua to the camp of Gilgal and said to him and to the men of Israel, we have come from a far country 
Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Something you will have to understand and come to know is that people who seem very friendly, who seem very nice, who present themselves in a very good way toward you, may not be as they seem. Some people are used of the enemy, and some people just come up with these schemes on their own. You need to recognize them. Don't take everything at face value. Here's a story. We all know this story. I think every Christian that I know of knows this story. That these folks came to deceive them. And Joshua fell for it. Joshua, a spirit-filled guy. He's been in great church services. Underneath Moses. Saw some awesome things go on with Moses. And still, he fell for this. If Joshua fell for it, you can fall for it. Just know, it's out there. People will do things to try and snow you. To try and, and uh, pull you in the wrong direction. Don't let them do it. Just know that they're out there for it. There are, there are ways that you can see this is going on. You don't have to be taken by surprise about this. You don't need to be some super spiritual Christian who God just says, it's a trap. You can recognize it. And we're going to look at this story and find out some of the ways that we can do these things. Now, here's a couple of verses I put in your outline for you. <clears throat> in Jeremiah 17:10, I, the Lord, search the heart, I test the mind, even to give every man according to his ways, according to the fruit of his doings. It is God that searches the heart. You cannot search the heart, but God can. Just because someone's actions look to be good doesn't mean their heart is right. Jeremiah 20, verse 12, But, O Lord of hosts, you who test the righteous... And see the mind and heart. Let me see your vengeance on them, for I have pleaded my cause before you. First John 4, 1 John 4.1 Beloved, do not believe every spirit, but test the spirits. Frighten the word of God. Don't believe everyone. They're going to come. They're going to say some things to you. Don't believe it. Whether they are of God, because many false prophets have gone out into the world. You know, we, we, all, we all know this in the political. We're getting ready for another presidential race. Can you believe it? We're two years away or a year and a half away, and how much is still going on in all this. And we've got a year and a half to get through with all. And people are going to try and snow you. We've got the media trying to sell you on issues that are not issues again. We're going to get off of the economy. We're going to get off of the, what's going on in the world. We're going to talk about stuff that does not matter to anyone. I was even surprised that the media got off on Hillary Clinton for her stage little thing that she did at Chipotle. The media got off on her on that. They saw it as all staged. They found out, the media did this. They found out that the people that she sat down with, they had vetted before, they had talked about before, they told them to be at the place, they were going to be at the place. They set it all up. But it's, it's not that it's uncommon. To, uh, Hillary's used to doing that sort of stuff, but they actually exposed it, which is kind of surprising. They don't always do that. In the political circle, you're going to have a lot of people who can't speak about what they believe they can only speak about uh, what's, what's written down because, they, well, how do we present this to this group? How do we present it over to here? Ted Cruz is, uh, I don't know if anybody heard his, but it, he's uh, kind of a breath of fresh air for some because he can just sit down without any cards and talk to you about what he believes. You may or may not like what he believes, but he believes it, and no matter where you stop him and where you talk to him about it, he's going to tell you the same thing. I like political candidates like that. I've told you that in the ones before. You know, Herman Cain came up. He believed the things that he was speaking about. They weren't on cards for him. He believed it. I like folks to believe what they... I may not agree with everything that they believe, 
But I like people that do what they believe and don't just try and present something. But here we have people that just try and present things. We had it in the Old Testament. We had it in the New Testament. We have it today. There are always people out there that are just trying to present a front. You need to see through it. And you can. We're going to show you some things in the Word of God how to do that. Matthew 24, 4. We've uh, quoted this verse often. And Jesus answered and said to them, Take heed that no one deceives you. What you need to learn from this is that first off, people are going to try and deceive you. But mostly what you need to take from this verse, whose job is it to make sure that they don't? It is your job. It is not someone else's. It is your job. If it is your job to make sure that no one deceives you, then you can be equipped to make sure that no one deceives you. I put this in your outline for you. Others will try and deceive you by making their intentions appear good. Verse 6 again. And they went to Joshua to the camp at Gilgal and said to him, to the men of Israel, We have come from a far country. Now therefore make a covenant with us. Now here's the thing. Israel has been given the land of Israel. Been told to conquer it. They have not been given the land outside of Israel. God told them what area of land they had and they were supposed to go in there and they were supposed to conquer it and they were supposed to, to take it for themselves. They were not called to go outside and do anything with the people outside of that. They were only called to take Israel to kick the inhabitants out, take their cities and so forth. And we know all the things they were called to with that. So here comes somebody. We come from a far country. Now, therefore, make a covenant with us. Now, in a covenant, this is, this is one of the principles, folks, you need to get hold of. In a covenant, it is a two-way agreement, isn't it? In a covenant, I will do this and you will do this. If anyone ever presents you with a covenant, or we can put it in maybe a more modern uh, understanding, contract. If anyone ever tries to present you with a contract that is one-sided, run. Why would you sign a contract or enter into a covenant that only benefits the other person? There's no reason to do it. If you want to do the things that are going to benefit that other person, then go right ahead and do it. We'll get more into that as we get going on here. We'll take a look at some of these things. We have come from a far country now, therefore make a covenant with us. Then the men of Israel said to the Hivites, perhaps you dwell among us. So how can we make a covenant with you? Their suspicions are there. Wait a minute, you might be, you might be within the land. How do we know? But they said to Joshua, we are your servants. And Joshua said to them, who are you and where do you come from? So they said to him, from a very far, we said a far country before, now it's a very far country, your servant. When people are not giving you information, specific information, don't believe anything they have to say. If you ask them a specific question and they don't answer it, again, the political circle, this stuff is starting up. I get so tired of political candidates when you ask them a question, it takes them 15 minutes to answer and then they don't never answer the question. And the last one we had, I thought there were two candidates I really enjoyed because if you asked them a question, they would say yes or they would say no. Herman Cain was one of them. Uh, the other guy was that actor from that uh, TV show. I don't remember what it was. I, I despised the TV show. I didn't like it. So, uh, Fred Thompson, I think that was. If you asked either of those two candidates a question, Fred, Herman, do you believe this? Yes. I love that. They would then go on and explain it. But I just love the fact that they were direct and say, yes, 
I believe. No, I don't believe. Would you do this? No. And then they would go on and explain it. Instead of the people who would take 15 minutes to explain their answer and never answer. I didn't like that. If you ask specific details of someone and they do not tell you the specific information back, run. Don't ask them again. Don't ask them for more information. They've already exposed their character. If they are true, then they would take the truth and present it to you. If they are hiding something, they're going to try and put a smoke screen out there first. That tells you they're hiding something. How many have ever watched those TV commercials? You know, buy this thing, $9.99. Anybody ever call it up on one of those things? $9.99. $19.99. And by the time you get done with the whole thing, it's $67. <laughs> Plus shipping. <laughs> I mean, it's crazy anymore. I've looked at some of those things and I thought, how in the world can you buy a TV commercial, advertise this thing, make it, and sell it for $10? And then if you order right now, you'll get two of them. (laughs) I don't know how they do it. And then you call up and you find out, yeah, well, there's this charge and then there's this charge and then there's this thing over here and then there's this thing over here. I called up one uh, place. They were giving away a free sample of something for you to try. It was supposed to help you out. It was uh, one of those, one of those uh, running things to help out. So I called up about the free sample and found out, all right, the free sample will last you for two weeks. Now, it's only going to cost you $70 a month for a bottle. <laughs> Plus shipping. <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't care how good it worked. There's nothing that I can take that's $70 a month worthwhile. And, and we didn't go any further with, with that. But oh, I'll tell you what, they're, 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 they hide the information. There's a reason they hide the information. Because if you had the information, you would say no. People who are not up front do not deserve to be in our political offices and do not deserve our money. Just keep that in mind. You see it right here in the story and you'll see it in other places as well. Paul dealt with this. Peter dealt with this with the false teachers in the New Testament. People who didn't, weren't up front about what they were teaching until they got people gullible folks into to believe in what they were doing. Beware. They're out there. We come from a very far country. Which one? Well, a very far one. Well, what's it called? Well, it's very far away. You probably haven't heard of it. Well, try me. Well, no, it's really far. Really far. <laughs> well, why don't you just tell me what it is? From a very far country, your servants have come because of the name of the Lord your God. Now, see, here's why we come. We come from a far country. You've probably never even heard of us. We're a tiny little dot in the map. In, insignificant. But your God is so great. We heard about your God. Your God is so great. Your God is awesome. Oh, maybe these guys will get saved. Maybe if, if we go along with these guys, they'll go along. They'll become followers of God. And God will get a whole new group of people to follow him. God would probably be happy about that. Mm-mm. Look for specific information. People who are truthful will give you specific information. We have heard of his fame and all that he did in Egypt and all that he did to the two kings and the Amorites who are beyond the Jordan, to Sihon, king of Heshbon, and Og, king of, ba- of Bashan, who was at Ashtaroth. Therefore, our elders and all the inhabitants of our country spoke to us, saying, Take provisions with you. 
Now listen to this. If, you are, if you've been commissioned by someone in a very far country to go somewhere, is the first thing you talk about, they told us to take food. Is that what you're going to... Doesn't this seem odd? We're pointing to the evidence that we have with us that we're from a far country. They told us to take provisions. Really? You had to be told to take food and water? You coming from a far country and people had to tell you to take food and water with you? Take provision with you for the journey and go to meet them and say to them, We are your servants now, therefore make a covenant with us. This bread of ours we took hot from our provisions from our houses on the day we departed to come to you. But now look, it is dry and moldy. How do they know that the bread was fresh? Because they told them. That's all they know. Because they told them. Here's something you're going to have to understand, folks. People lie. Especially if they are trying to cover up something. People will lie. People who profess to be Christians, when they are trying to cover something up, will lie. Don't be surprised. They will do it. How did Judas betray Jesus? It shouldn't surprise you that Christians can do stuff like this. Just know that they're capable. When Jesus said in Matthew, be careful that no one deceives you. Did he just mean heathen? Be careful that no one deceives you. You need to be on alert. People are going to be out there. They're going to try to distract you from God's purpose and pull you into theirs. So here's the first thing of evidence. We had fresh bread. Now it's dry and moldy. And these wineskins, which we filled, were new. See, they are torn. And these are garments and our sandals have become old because of the very long journey. Now, if you have really made a long journey like this and all your bread is dry and moldy and all your wineskins are dry and cracked, can't hold anything anymore, wouldn't you ask the people that you're making a covenant with for some new bread, some new wine, maybe some new sandals so that you can make the trip back? If you wore everything out getting there, how are you getting back? Doesn't that make sense? How many times have people come and they have presented a sob story to you? Oh, here's what's going on. And it just doesn't quite seem to make sense. I am always amazed. I'm not here to, I'm not picking on people who smoke. I don't mean to do that, but bring, bring that topic up. People who are homeless, have no money can't feed themselves, and come to you, can you help me with some food? Well, they have the pack of cigarettes rolled up in their shirt or the cigarette between their fingers. And I wonder, how can you afford the cigarettes if you can't afford the food? It just doesn't make sense to me. I would think that you would give up the habit. I know it's a tough habit. It's a hard habit to give up. I understand all that. And no one's going to hell because they smoke cigarettes. That's not going to send you to hell. Don't think that one bit. People can smoke cigarettes and make it to heaven. Maybe you get there sooner. I don't know. <laughs> it's, don't, don't try and dress people from the outside in. I just, it's their choice whether they want to smoke or not. It's not my choice. I can't make that choice for them. It's their choice if they want to smoke or not. 
But if they want to take your money and they have one of these habits, why don't you give up the habit? How is it that you have money coming in for that? I do get amazed at that. I get amazed at the people who have cell phones but can't afford food or housing. I don't know how that happens. It obviously does. But there should have been some kind of request from these folks for the return journey. If we're selling them the fact that all of our stuff is wore out, even our sandals, the sandals are wore out, everything's wore out, I would think there'd be some concern on their end on how we're getting home. And maybe you could help us with this. These wineskins which we filled were new. See, they are torn. These garments and our sandals have become old because because of the very long journey. Then the men of Israel took some of their provisions, but they did not ask counsel of the Lord. So they gave them some of their provisions. Did you hear anywhere in there that they asked for them? It's a very detailed story. If they asked for them, I think it would have been put in there. So Joshua made peace with them and made a covenant with them to let them live, and the rulers of the congregation swore to them. But he emphasizes they did not seek counsel of the Lord. Now here's the first thing. Was the covenant they made necessary? Absolutely not. And Joshua even said it. If you're within a land, we're going to kill you. If you are not within the land, we're going to leave you alone. That's the way that it is. So it's not necessary. It was an unnecessary covenant. Was this covenant one-sided? What did Israel gain from it? Well, they got servants. Well, if you are from a very far country, what good does it do to have you as servants? It'll take more work to take stuff over to you to do or to bring you over here. There's no, there's no benefit. If you're from a far country, what good is it if you are our servants? That won't help. It's a one-sided covenant. Be careful of people who ask you to enter into a one-sided covenant. I don't just mean be careful of the covenant. I mean be careful of people. Don't ever enter into a one-sided covenant. Ever. Don't ever do it. Don't ever enter into something where they benefit and you do not. Don't enter into it. Can I emphasize that enough? The Word of God tells you over and over, don't enter into these things. If it's one side, if only one person benefits and not the other, it is not worthwhile to do. Put this in your outline. Don't be compelled to make promises. Don't feel because of their poverty. Don't feel because of their need. Don't feel because of their pleading. Don't do it. Now, here's another trait. We gave you six. uh, Was it five before? Gave you five before. Here's another trait you can add to that list. You must decide now. Anytime that an opportunity to go after something is presented, but the window is small, and you have to decide now. It is not from God. If God has a thing where he has to make you hurry up and decide, he would have told you about it earlier so that you were ready when you came to that place and had to hurry up and decide. He would have warned you about it. He doesn't do that. I gave you this years ago. Give it to you again. The quicker the response becomes necessary, the more likely you are to respond from your flesh. 
The quicker the response becomes necessary, the more likely you are to respond from your flesh. Don't reply hastily. Don't be in a rush. Now here's what the people of Gibeon did. They got Joshua and the leaders to make a decision by what they saw or what they see. See, look at our bread. See, look at our wineskins. They're getting them to make this based on what they see, not on what they believe. That's a problem. It's the first area they missed it on. They moved into an area they were not prepared for. They moved into an area they were not prepared for. God has prepared the children of Israel to take over Palestine, to take over the land of Israel. That's what he prepared them for. Had them wander around the wilderness. He brought them to that place under Moses and they decided we're not going in. They're giants in the land. And 40 years later, God would give them another chance. It wasn't a one time, here it is, got to decide now. 40 years later, God brought them back. Let's try it again. God has prepared them to take over the land of Israel. He has not prepared them to take over the land outside of Israel. He has not prepared them to enter into covenants with the people outside of Israel. He prepared them to wipe out the inhabitants of the land of Canaan to become the land of Israel. That's what he prepared them to do. These folks are pulling them into an area that God had not called them to. If, they were, if what they're saying is true, if they were from a far country, then you're trying to get us into a covenant with a group of people that we don't know and God hasn't prepared us to do this. The answer should have been no. If you are from a far country, we do not want a covenant with you. If you are within this land, we do not want a covenant with you. And it should have been settled then. The enemy will try and get you to pursue something you are not prepared for. The wrong things are supplied in abundance. That's another thing that we see in this one. Now, when we gave you that list, you don't have to see all those lists for anything that God's or that, that uh, Satan's leading you into. You can just find one. We just happen to find several in this one, in this story. So it gives us a, a good supply of it. The wrong things are supplied. God has not called them to go out and find servants, has he? Has God said you shall go out and make servants of all men? He has not said that. That's not their calling. That's not what they're supposed to do. They're supposed to rid the land of all the idolatry and move in and take over. Now, we don't read anything that would point to fear and unrest, but there is uncertainty. How do we know that this bread was new. How do we know that these wineskins were new? How do we know that these sandals were new? There's uncertainty there. They shouldn't have done it. Well, verse 16, and it happened at the end of three days. Let me ask you this question. How many decisions would you not have made if you waited three days? <laughs> have you made a decision and the next day you were sorry you made it? Two days later, you were sorry you made it? Three days. That's all it took. After they had made a covenant with them that they heard that their neighbors, that they were neighbors who dwelt near them. Then the children of Israel journeyed and came to their cities on the third day. Now their cities were Gibeon, Shephirah, 
Beroth, Kirjath Jerum, but the children of Israel did not attack them because the rulers of the congregation had sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. And all the congregation complained against the rulers. Now, the truth will usually be revealed if you don't rush. If you don't rush, the truth will generally be revealed. Just don't rush into it. Hold up. Wait. Take some, take some time. If they're telling you it needs to be made today, well, then I'm not going to do it. Oh, I th- well, I'll tell you what. We'll give you a day. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, don't do it. Verse uh, 19. Then all the rulers said to all the congregation, We have sworn to them by the Lord God of Israel. Now, therefore, we may not touch them. This we will do to them. We will let, we will let them live, lest wrath be upon us because of the oath we have sworn to them. And the rulers said to them, Let them live, but let them be woodcutters and water carriers for all the congregation, as the rulers had promised. Then Joshua called for them, and he spoke to them, saying, Why have you deceived us, saying, We are, we are very far from you when you dwell near us? Now, therefore, you are cursed, and none of you shall be freed from being slaves, woodcutters, and water carriers for the house of my God. So they answered Joshua and said, Because your servants were clearly told that the Lord your God commanded his servant Moses to give you all the land and to destroy all the inhabitants of the land from before you. Therefore, we were very much afraid for our lives because you have done this thing. And now, here we are in your hands. Do with us as seems good and right to do to us. So he did to them and delivered them out of the hand of the children of Israel so that they did not kill them. And that day Joshua made them woodcutters and water carriers for the congregation and for the altar of the Lord in the place which he would choose even to this day. I put this in your outline for you. It matters what decisions leaders make. It matters what decisions leaders make. We have leaders in this country. It matters what decisions they make. It matters what covenants they make. It matters what things they do. We need to be informed. We need to, be, to know what, what they are doing. Because it matters. God holds all the people accountable for the leaders that these, decisions, that these folks made. If you were to jump ahead in your Bibles and go over to the book of First uh, and Second Samuel, you will find out that Saul persecuted and killed some of this group of people. And in the, under the realm of David, they began to feel some of the effects of that. And David said, what shall we do to make restitution for this? And under David's reign, they made restitution for it. But it all stemmed back to this. So if you think that Joshua is just saying words here, he's not. God is going to hold all the people accountable to what these leaders did. And what our leaders are making decisions right now, we're making decisions involving Iran, and visions, uh, decisions involving Israel, some of the areas that are in there, that's going to have an effect, folks. We need to be understanding what it is our leaders are doing because we are under those decisions as it was here. So I put in your outline, God holds us accountable for even the bad decisions and promises we make. How many of you ever made a bad decision? Well, that was a bad decision. I'm not going to do that now. You can't really go on it, not according to God. You've got to still honor it. That's why, take time. Take time. Don't be distracted. Don't be pulled into something that you don't want to do. So here's this part here at the end. <clears throat> if you feel rushed, it is probably a bad direction. Just the fact 
that you feel rushed to do it. Feel rushed to make the decision. Feel rushed to get the deal. Most of the time, that's it. Oh, this is a really good deal. Oh, I can't pass up this deal. Don't give in to it. If it looks too good to be true, it probably is. Walk away. Brother Keith Moore, he, was, he shares this all the time if you listen to any of his messages. People would come and tell him, great deals, you should get in on this, you should do this thing, you should uh, financial things, whatever it might be. And he would always come back with this. I don't need a reason not to do it. I need a reason to do it. Tell you what, you ought to hang on to that one. If God hasn't given you a reason to do it, don't do it. You don't do it. If, if you say to God, God, I didn't do it because I didn't have a peace from you. I didn't have a direction from you. I didn't have a green light from you to do this thing. God says, that's it. That's the way to go. He's not going to penalize you for it. Don't do something just to benefit others. If God has not given you a direction and purpose in it. This is not Christianity, folks, to go out there and do everything for people who do nothing. That is not Christianity. Christianity, folks, is bringing people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's Christianity. There are people who will try and play on your good nature, your good heart, and try and drain you of your money, drain you of your time, drain you of your work, drain you of your effort, drain you of whatever assets you have. Do not do it. Don't get involved in a one-sided relationship. Don't get involved in a one-sided covenant. If it's one-sided, someone is going to get wore out. You've got to set things up so that both sides benefit. Stephen Covey talked about it as a win-win situation. Took off with, with that. But that's God. When God sets up a situation, people win. Now, if God tells you, you see that person over there? They have nothing. You have this. I want you to give this to them. Do it. But that's a directive from God, not something that they are trying to pull out of you. If God directs you, go and help this person. Then go and do what God said to do. Don't do any more. Do what God said to do. Once you do that, a lot of times people are going to then try and pull more from you. Don't do it. You're not helping them. You're not helping you. You're going to get into a situation you are pulled off from what God wants you to do. What ends up happening, folks, is that you use your resources, your assets, the things that God has blessed you with to help people God has not called you to help. And when he calls on you to help the folks that he wanted you to target, that he wanted you to help, you have nothing left. Protect what God has given you. And when God says, Steve, go over and help this person out with everything in you, go out there and do it. If God gives you a directive like he gave to the rich young ruler, go, sell all you have, give it to the poor, and come follow me, it's exactly what you should do. If God does not give you that directive, then don't do it. If God gives you a directive to take a very expensive flask of oil, 
open it up and pour it on his feet and anoint him for his burial, then you go and you do it. If God has not given you that directive, then don't do it. If Jesus comes to your house and you decide on your own, I'm going to spend all my time cooking in the kitchen to get everything ready for all these people, and God has not directed you to do it, get out of the kitchen and get in the living room where he's teaching and get under the word. Too often, folks, we as Christians are being led out of our purpose to do something that someone is dragging us into. And it will keep your Christian life compromised if you keep doing it that way. Don't do it. I'm going to repeat this one again. Don't do something just to benefit others if God has not given you a direction and a purpose in it. Win-lose situations are not good. They will not help you. They will not help them. If God says to do it, then you go ahead and do it. But if God does not, there were some of these situations in the Word. When the, when the man came to Jesus and said, come and heal my daughter, and Jesus followed him, was there any benefit for Jesus? No, but he had a directive to follow after faith. And the man had faith, and he followed after it. When the centurion said, come, and well, actually he didn't say that. He, the, the people he sent said, you need to come. He just wanted him to speak the word. Jesus followed after faith. When the women from Tyre came, he didn't have to give her any attention at all until he saw faith because one of the things that Jesus had on his plate was always answer faith. And when he saw faith, he answered it. But when he didn't see the faith, he didn't follow. When Jesus was directed to go by the Father, he went. How did Jesus describe all his activities? I say what I hear the Father say. I do what the Father tells me to do. That's the same thing we need to do. All right, second, uh, third one. Just because you now realize that you should have done something doesn't mean you are released from it. Just because you now realize that you should have done something doesn't mean you are, I think I should have said, you shouldn't have done something. Just because you saw I shouldn't have done that, missed the negative in there, doesn't mean you are released from it. You realize after the fact that, oh, I should not have entered into that covenant, just as Joshua did, does not mean you are released from it. That's why be real careful with how it is that your words are, what you agree to. Fourth one, if you are the only one giving in any agreement, it is not a covenant. If you are the only one giving in any agreement, it is not a covenant. It is merely forced charity. Don't get into forced charity. That's not going to help you out. You can show, you can, we used to do inside hands, but you can do, you can uh, raise your hand up on this one. How many of you have ever been in a situation, you got caught up and you are now in or have been in a forced charity situation? You are always giving, you are always taking care of, you are always putting into this situation, into this person, into this thing. You got dragged into it and now you can't seem to get out. That's why you got to be real careful with these kind of things. Do not get into a forced charity situation. It puts stress on you. 
It puts stress on your Christian walk. It puts stress on your assets. It puts stress on the things that God has put in your life. And you cannot then use them for what God wants you to use them for. Because you feel guilty like you have to give them out to this one over here. Now look at it this way. All those forced charity situations that you just raised your hand about. And all that you have put into them. How many of them have gotten better? <laughs> Thought so. If God directs you to give into a situation, it will generally, two, two ways it's going to go. It's either going to get better or that person is going to be brought to a decision where they may not follow after God at all and you'll, be, you'll feel released from it. It's going to go in two directions. If you don't, if you get involved in a forced charity, then day after day, week after week, month after month, another situation, another episode, another need, another thing coming up, something else. And how many, here's a real easy way to tell. How many of you cringe every time that forced charity situation comes up? Oh, they're going to ask me to do this. Oh, they're going to ask me to go this way. How many of you have ever been there? Oh, come on, we, I've, I've gotten into them. I've not immune to these things. I've been suckered into some of these things. It is hard to get out of that. I will guarantee it. I, I'll tell you, it is hard to get out of that. But you need to because you're not helping them. I'll ask you again, how many of these situations have changed? You're not helping them, but you are hurting yourself. I'm not telling you not to give. I'm telling you to give to whom God directs you to give to. Put your time in to whom God tells you. The Word of God says, do not be deceived. There are people out here all the time that are trying to deceive you. They want to separate you from your money. We talked about these stats before. How many trillion? I, I think I heard the, the number is pretty close to the national debt of how much money we have put into the war on poverty. And we still have just as many poor people as we had before. Why doesn't it ever change? There's a reason for it. There's a reason for it. I can count on many less fingers the people that we helped because God says, help this one, compared to the people that we helped because of guilt, because of need. But when God directs you to help, oh, I'll tell you what, oh, it's, it's need. We've had it, and you know, people are always calling and asking money because it's a church. They just think that's what you do. You just stand here and you hand out money. <clears throat> they think that because they don't go to church. But they, they, they think the church is just hand out money. Or the church people just hand out money. That's what they do. That's what your God called you to hand out money. I'm here to receive some of it. But every once in a while you get one and, and God says, help them out. Whatever they need, do it. And we've done it. And oh, man, I'll tell you what. It is, it is neat to see. They don't, come, they don't ever come back for a second or a third. It was a one-time thing. They got on their feet. They got things changed. Some of them have even tried to pay it back. (laughs) 
No, we, we, we can't have them pay it back. Because we can't, as a church, we're not allowed to make loans. Then you're a bank. We're not a bank. We can't, we can't make loans. It's just, it's just, we can't, we can't do it. But, oh, that is so, so neat. It is so good. Be careful. Because what you're doing is you're bringing in stress into your life. And I'll tell you what. If, if we did a poll around here, every single forced charity situation that you have ever gotten pulled, pulled into has brought stress into your life. Because there's no calling, there's no anointing. You're being distracted from your purpose. God cannot use you in the areas that he wants to use you for because your hands are tied over here. Don't do it. Don't do it. Go before God. Say, God, I'm, I'm stuck. I'm in this situation. How do, I, how do I get out of this? What do I do? God will show you. God will help you out. Understand this. Here's the story. These folks wanted to receive from the children of Israel. They didn't really want to give them anything. If you go on to the next chapter, you're going to find out that the inhabitants of the land want to come down and attack these guys and wipe them out. If I'm Joshua, I am real tempted to say, have at them. Let's see how this plays out. Because you've got a whole massive army that has been assembled to attack Israel. And they decide to attack these guys first. I'm thinking, go for it. I mean, that's that much less of the attacking force that we have to, have to deal with if they fight it out amongst themselves. But he didn't do it. He rose to their defense. Did that, that thing I'm sure the children of Israel didn't like it either. Can you see how you can get distracted from what God has called you to do? And then you are no longer following the Spirit. You're following guilt. You're following what others demand, what others request, what others expect. You're not following the Holy Spirit anymore. That will carry over into other areas of your life. Don't let it happen. Stand guard against it. But when God says, go over and help that person out, do it with no strings attached, I'm doing this because God told me, and make sure you tell him, God told me to do this for you. There's a reason for it. If you tell them, God told me to do this for you, then you are saying, I'm a person who takes orders from God, not you. I'm a person who takes orders from God. I don't take orders from your need. Because they're going to come on back and try, well, I got another need. God didn't tell me anything about this one. And you have a, you have a way out. But if God tells you, to go and help them out, go and help them out. If God tells you again, go and help them out, go and help them out. But go back to God. Ask Him, what shall I do? And you will become more dependent on the voice of the Holy Spirit and less dependent on the voice of your flesh and the guilt that you feel because someone has less than you do. You know why a lot of people have less than you do? Because in the rebellion to God. That's not the only reason. There's some people who have more than you, and they're in rebellion to God. But there are people who have less than you do, and they're in rebellion to God. How is you giving them your money going to help them? If will, if God says, because God knows the heart. He knows what's going on the inside. He says, look, there's an opening right here, and if you can take what you've got and put it in there, that will help them. That will bring them around. But it won't help if we just throw these things at any situation that comes up because we feel guilty or we feel bad. Joshua chapter 9 is a great story to tell us this. There are people 
who roar out to deceive you, to pull you into a line of thinking that is wrong. And they will pull out all the stops to do it. They will, they will lie to your face to get you to do what they want you to do. Just know that they're out there. Don't get mad at them. Don't get all, all bent out of shape about them. Just know that's what they do. They're in the world. But God has given you wisdom to see beyond this. Don't hate them. You can still love them. But don't do what your guilty heart says to do. Do what the Spirit of God is leading you to do. Because that's what will make a difference. Would you all stand up with me? Father, we thank you for the help you give us to understand what is going on around us. There are people with needs all around us. There are people who want to enter into one-way contracts with us. One-sided covenants. People who want to make a demand on us and yield nothing. And you're okay with that as long as you have looked at the heart and you've directed us to do it. We need to hear from you. We need to know that God says, Steve, go out there and, and do that. Help this person out. I need you to do it from the kingdom. But there are times, just like in this situation here, we should have no business with it. The Spirit of God will help us to discern that so that we don't get led into a wrong place that begins to frustrate us, frustrate our walk, and get us out of our calling, our purpose, and our growth. We don't want to have that go on. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You're always here to help. We will learn to listen and to yield to what it is that you are telling us to do. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Glory to God. Do we have any uh, praise reports? We have a couple. I have a couple of prayer, re- prayer requests. <clears throat> I have more prayer requests. Sometimes I have to read these to make sure I know what I'm saying. Okay, this one was from Naz. <clears throat> he said, yesterday I cut my grass for the first time this season, but before I did and and after I checked it out, I laid my hands on it for a first start, meaning his on the lawnmower. How many of you know when you first start your lawnmowers in this season or any of those push things, they, they don't always start right? Well, he, he said this time it started, and um, it started with one pole. <laughs> Praise God for that. Um, Vanessa said she received a bonus at work this week. Hallelujah. Excited about that. And Ray, <clears throat> he said, I received a $25 gift certificate from Grandview Hospital along with the staff for um, surviving the winter's challenges. And though I'm salaried, I am receiving a $100 bonus for helping with a, a recent staffing challenge. Praise God. Um, any others that we have? No, and our praise report is just that we had a, a wonderful trip out and back to Chicago. We got home safely and had gets to spend some good time with our son. Yes, we did.